Welcome to Do The Dang Thing, where we discuss topics about becoming a parent. Today, we're going to talk about birth shaming. Hi, everyone. This is Ashley, the doula. I'm here with Natasha. Hello, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're going to be talking about birth shaming because it is such a problem. Hot topic. Yeah. So, like, birth shaming means... You make other people feel, not you, you I'm sure you, <laughs> listener, is like so sweet and you would never make anybody feel bad about anything. But All of our listeners are so nice and funny and pretty. They never say anything mean to anybody. <laughs> um, no, but birth shaming is when someone is made to feel bad about the choices they made during their birth. And there are a lot of choices I'm learning. There's like almost infinite choices and they're all birth. The end. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> okay. So, Natasha, I'm curious if you have any preconceived ideas about what birth is better than the other. Do you, like, feel that in any way? Um, I think that there are a little bit of things in terms of choices statistically that I think about. Um. Like, if something's a lot more statistically safe than another, I'll kind of be like, why would you want that? Or, um, But I think just being your sister, and especially when you are going through your education process of being like, okay, your job as a doula is not to judge the birth of your patients. They're not patients. Clients. Clients. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of helps me look at it in a different way, too. So the more that I talk to you, I feel like, my acceptance of differences has increased as well. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I do think still, I mean, we all come with our biases for sure. And I probably have a few. Um, and then there's just things that terrify me that terrify no one else seemingly. Um, like what? Like my fears around birth are more like I'm terrified of an epidural. And I think a lot of people are like, Get that epidural in my spine immediately. Right. Um, And I'm just like, oh, to not feel your legs, like, gives me heebie-jeebies. And, like, the things that kind of come, like, hormonally with an epidural, I'm like, I don't know if it's worth it. So I think little things like that when people are like, yeah, epidural right away. It's not like, I I mean, don't get me wrong, I completely understand wanting one. Um, But I'm like, well, do you really want that? Um, Also, I think... um, for going the vitamin K shot, I seen like no reason to forego that personally. I mean, I'm all like, do what you want, but that's one where I'm like, just get it. Um, for those of you who don't know what the vitamin K shot does after birth, when your baby is born, vitamin K is very important in blood clotting. And when they're born, they don't have enough vitamin K in their system yet to clot their blood properly sometimes, and it can cause hemorrhaging issues. It's pretty rare, but um, it's a shot of vitamins. It's not like a vaccine or anything like that. And they inject the vitamin into the baby so that way they're protected from those clotting issues. There are like liquid drops you can use, but if you use the liquid drops, you have to be very strict on when and how much you give your baby to make sure they're protected properly. I do I do hear a lot of people kind of 
this like natural birth and that you've corrected me um, before in the past of like not saying natural birth because all birth is natural. Right. Um, and kind of changing that to unmedicated. But that versus C-section, I'm like C-section being seen as the easier option and how C-sections are rising because it's like you can schedule it and it's so easy. I'm like, no, like so what are you talking about? So I think that one is something I'm passionate about of like if we're calling C-section the easier route, talk to somebody who just had a C-section. It does not look easy. Like the recovery of that with a baby, the challenges people have like with discomfort of breastfeeding and like just having your baby on you when you have stitches, like that just does not seem like an easy path to me. So in terms of shaming, I mean, I guess mine are the opposite. Like why are you (laughs) shaming? C-sections look really hard. Yeah, they are hard. The recovery time is so much longer and so much more difficult. You have more issues with your pelvic floor after a C-section. Um, so shout out to anybody who needs a C-section, make sure you get checked out, checked out by a pelvic floor specialist because you can have more discomfort with sex when you had, especially an emergency C-section and just, you know, there's this whole thing, like you have this vision of your birth and you just have these dreams of what it's going to look like and what it's going to be like and you know, you want to push that baby out and everybody says, yay. And you know, that whole idea of how that birth is going to go. And then when you decide, oh, wait, I have to have a C-section for some people, they don't care. And they didn't have that, that goal to push out the baby. But if you did, like, then you have to give up that whole dream of being able to push your baby out. That's hard. That brings Mm -hmm. up a lot of emotional issues. And then, you know, hormonally, you have different issues when you had a C-section and so C-sections are not the easy way out. I would never, ever say that in a million years. And it's easier for a doctor, for sure, because they're scheduled, unless they're an emergency, obviously. But if you have a scheduled C-section, they know when you're coming, you know, what time they have to be there, what time they're going to be done. C-section, C-sections take them a minute. Once you're prepped and you have your, you know, the anesthesiologist comes and gives you your epidural or spinal block or whatever sort of uh, drugs they decide to give you, the doctor can do it in sometimes 30 seconds. They are very fast. But 30 seconds wouldn't be like the the average, right? No way. But in an emergency, like if you needed an emergency C-section, they'd be in and out in like 30 seconds. It's amazing, really. It's so crazy. So it's like such a great thing if you actually need a C-section, if it's an emergency, or if you have some sort of health issue to where you're not going to be able to push your baby out. What an awesome tool to have. It's so amazing that they can do that, if Mm -hmm. you really think about it. But if you didn't want a C-section, having to get one kind of sucks. Yeah. And it's sad that there's these levels of what makes you more of like a super mom if you had this it's like right you had an unmedicated birth wow you're at the top of the list then you had a vaginal birth with an epidural okay and then you had you know what I mean like there does seem to be this like hierarchy within the system definitely and it's sad because who cares at the end of the day it's like is your kid cool you love them one of those you're good Mm -hmm. um but it's like even within that system, like that's something that you have to 
deal with yourself. Like that's not, it doesn't, nobody's going to tell you to your face. Like, oh, you ended up having to get medicine because things weren't working. I wouldn't say no one. I'm sure there are people that say that like, oh, you had to get an epidural. Yeah, you're right. Like somebody's like (laughs) (laughs) mother-in-law. And sometimes they don't even say it to be rude. Like it's just kind of ingrained in us at this point. And it's so hard to get rid of those biases and and all of those things when we're bombarded with them all the time. Mm -hmm. And you're right. There is this hierarchy. It's like, okay, I want to have an unmedicated birth and I couldn't and I failed. Yeah. But you can't fail giving birth. That's what I say all the time. Birth is getting your baby out of your body. That's literally all birth is. All birth is natural, no matter how you do it, no matter what it took to get that baby out of there. Even if you got an epidural and a vacuum or forceps and then you had to have a C-section, it's all getting your baby out of your body and you rocked it Mm -hmm. because they're all hard. Yeah, this this emotional feeling like a failure is so sad. Because it's literally the most powerful thing you can do on the universe. I know, right? And it's really hard. It's hard to get pregnant. It's hard to stay pregnant. It's hard to birth. Like every part of it's hard. It's hard to recover no matter the situation. And it's just like for somebody to be sad about doing that, like building a human from scratch. Oh my gosh. Is unbelievable no matter how you brought it and I think too like even if you didn't birth like if you had a surrogate or if you adopted you're still unbelievable yep because I did adopt and it was freaking hard and there was a lot of tough times and a lot of emotions all wrapped up into it and it took a long time it wasn't a quick process and it's always hard to have a baby no matter what way you go about it But how do we, do you have any tips of how to help that person not feel that way? Because like we said, it's coming at you from every angle. It's something that's ingrained in kind of the culture and the rhetoric around birth. So how do you fight that and have a great birth experience, even though you might not get exactly what you planned? Great question. I think definitely getting prepared for all the options. So not only learning about what you hope will happen and the birthing experience that you hope you'll have, but also learning about the other ones. So that way, in case something comes up or in case you change your mind, you'll have all the knowledge to be able to make an educated decision so it won't make you feel as anxious. You'll have choices about what happens and you'll be able to say yes or no and feel confident about your decision because you know what you're talking about and what your options are. So I think number one, get educated. Figure out all the options. Then what we want to do from there is have your preference list. Remember, we don't want to do a birth plan because birth is super unpredictable. There are always going to be things that come up that have to change or that you know differ from what you had hoped would happen. That is almost a given because all birth is different and all birth is unpredictable. And we we give you these frameworks of, you know, how birth is supposed to go. But that's talking about statistics. And when you talk about anything with statistics, that means there's a lot of margin for error. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if 
if we say, okay, well, you're going to go through labor and your, you know, this phase of labor is going to be this long and your contractions are going to look like this. And, and, you know, this is when you go to the hospital and we have all of these frameworks that we work within, but that doesn't mean that that's how your birth is going to go. And so you have to be flexible, even with like the rules that you're given by your doctor or midwife or doula or education course, all of those things give you ideas of how things are going to go. That's not that they're not giving you what is going to happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we will give you your options and all that kind of stuff, but who knows? Nobody knows how, how long your birth will take, what it will feel like. None of that. We don't know any of that until you're in it and until it actually happens. So having your birth preference sheet ready to go, knowing what you really want, but also being able to accept that things will change. And that's just like a mind frame thing. You, you have to just every day, if you need to, if you're like a type A person and you have to have a plan and you have to know what's going to happen next and not having that plan really makes you feel anxious or stressed, start practicing as early as you can in your pregnancy. I would like this, but I'm also okay if that can't happen. And just kind of talk yourself through it over and over again because you have to change that mindset. That's not going to serve you well in an unpredictable situation. Mm-hmm. And as a planner, it is kind of like, okay, I plan on doing X, Y, Z, but really my overarching plan is that baby and I are safe. And Great. so if that's your guiding star for your top tier plan, whatever changes need to happen within your plan are okay. Yep. I think that's a great way to look at it. Say, I want this, but I want my baby to be healthy and safe. I want to be healthy and safe. Because I think also a lot of times we kind of forget about our own health and safety when we're thinking about becoming a parent or having a baby. We focus so much on the health and safety of the baby that we kind of forget about our own health and safety. But if we're not healthy and safe, our baby is at risk of not being healthy and safe as well. Mm -hmm. Keeping everybody healthy and safe is our number one goal. It's your doctor and midwives and nurses, all of their number one goal. So when you're making decisions about what has to happen during labor, just keep in mind that that's what everybody is thinking. They all want you, both you and baby, to be healthy and safe. Not only because that's what they chose to do and they took oaths and all that stuff, but because if not, they get in a lot of trouble and they have to pay a lot of money <laughs> for their insurance. So sometimes, you know, they might be a little bit too cautious, but but that's their goal, you know? Yeah. Okay, so what about if you're not a planner and you don't, you're not somebody who digs into the research and gets obsessed with a topic? What tips do you have for them to kind of be a, understand the options? Yeah, I think even if you're not a planner, you still need to be educated or at least educated in knowing how to ask questions because you don't necessarily have to know what you're talking about in order to ask questions about your care. You just have to know what the procedure they're offering you or the medication they're offering you is, how it works, side effects, what's going to happen to my body when I'm on it or while you're doing it, all of those things. So learning how to ask questions and not take a non-answer as an answer. Mm -hmm. So if they say, that's ah, fine, 
No, I want to know what's going on. Yeah. And they've actually done studies about being able to make decisions about your own care. And if you are able to be involved in the decision-making process, you statistically feel better about your birth. You have a higher satisfaction rate. So if you're educated enough to know to ask questions, to understand what those answers mean, and to know how those answers can be put towards the choices of your own birth, then you will have, statistically speaking, again, statistics, but you will have a higher satisfaction rate of your birth. Cool. Yeah. So it's important to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And also they've done studies that if you are educated about birth and you know what's up and you're asking questions that prove to your medical team that you know what's happening, they're less likely to suggest a C-section for you. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You have a really good section in your program that talks about how to ask questions and how to make decisions, which I think is really cool. Um, But like having a model and kind of practicing that as somebody who might be timid or might not be like semi-confrontational. Like I think that there's a lot of people who just are like, I mean, even I do it sometimes. It's like if somebody's intimidating, like I have to go to the dentist all the time. And it's just like, I'll leave and I'm like, I didn't ask any questions. Like, how much Mm -hmm. is this going to cost? Like, is this like just kind of in day to day, like practicing asking more questions and making sure, like, I think kids are so good at like, why, why, why? And when your kids were growing up and they went through their why phase, I would answer questions and realize like, I didn't answer their question, even though I thought I did. And I like just had to think like one level more. And it was so, (laughs) it was cool for me to actually be like I don't know why do we have letters and like <laughs> you know like these little questions and like I think there's so many opportunities to practice it definitely practice yeah in the program I have a section that kind of guides you through the practice portion of, of things and we have a portion where you practice asking questions to your birthing companion or just anybody really and you bounce stuff off each other and you know you play like good nurse bad nurse and so you'll have like <laughs> They'll answer the question in a really rude way or like a confrontational way. And you'll have to figure out how to respond to that. And I think that's super important, especially if you're a non-confrontational person. I definitely am. I hate confrontation. It gives me nervous diarrhea. I don't like it. (laughs) I hate it so much. And so I do have to practice that. And I have to kind of feel that power because it makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And two, that might just be a mind switch because you are not like that at all for the safety of other people. You are extremely confrontational and do what needs to be done if it's for your kids, for your clients, for your family. That's true. And so if you are somebody who is like, I don't want to do it for me, but you'll do something for somebody you love, like you can, if you change your mindset and you're like, I'm doing this for my baby, you can mama bear all over the place and get those questions answered. Good. That's really good. Yeah. Yep. Because when I was pregnant with Jackson, my second, I was in the hospital for months because it was like a drama situation. (laughs) But in the beginning, I would just kind of lay there and let them poke and prod me. And then by the end of it, I was like, what is that? What are you doing? Why do I have this? How long do I have to be on this? Why are you in here? Like I would, (laughs) 
I, you know, I, I felt that Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm protecting my child, I'm protecting myself and also having love for yourself enough to do that. Yeah. Okay. So we know how to ask questions, how with our doctor, any tips on interacting with people who hear your birth plan either before or hear your birth story after and have something to say. Slap them in the face. No, just kidding. <laughs> Don't do that. Just kidding. No, I think, man, it's so hard. I think, first of all, you have to own what happened. Mm-hmm. That's why going back to being educated, you have to know what's going on so you can be in, in control of the decisions made about your care. And that way you can own what happened and, and say, well, this was the best option we had at the time. And I made this decision because this is what I wanted at that moment. And you have to feel not, I guess, proud. Yeah, you have to be, feel proud of the choices you made. Feel proud of giving birth to this child. Feel proud of becoming a parent. That's a huge accomplishment for anybody, anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think first owning it and then If you know you have confrontational people in your life or you have people around you who are very particular about what happened in their birth or have very big ideas about what birth should be, practice. Practice again. Practice having responses. Okay, if they give me crap about this, how am I what am I gonna say to them? Mm -hmm. And just be ready. And you know, that's an unfortunate thing that we have to do. But if we don't start standing up to that, then it's never going to go away. So we're always going to have people birth shaming us because our birth didn't go how we planned or it didn't go how they thought it should go. And your point is good. Like, you know, like the people who have loud opinions, they have loud opinions about a lot of stuff and you already know and you're already stressed out about it. And you're like, oh, I'm not even going to tell this person because they're going to say X, Y, Z. They're predictable. Mean people are predictable. Judgy people are predictable. That's true. And so to have what you're going to say locked and loaded and just shut that down immediately is super helpful. And the confidence in it, right? Like if they are saying that to have confidence or to have power over you and you're just like, nope, I win. I just had a freaking baby. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what can you say to that, you know? Yeah, true. Shut it down. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I say that, but I know how hard that is. I, like I said, I don't like confrontation. But it's like, if we wanted to change, then we have to make a change. We can't keep doing the same things Mm -hmm. and not standing up to it. And then behind the scenes or like on social media say, we shouldn't birth shame people. You have to do it in real time in front of people with real opinions in front of their face, like Mm -hmm. telling them that was not nice. What you said that hurt my feelings or say I had a great birth and I loved it and you're wrong. (laughs) You know, just whatever you feel comfortable or confident saying to them, it has to be said. Mm -hmm. Or even just simply whatever I did made this baby. Ooh, I like that. That's a good one. And then they're like, Oh, Well, I like them. Good job. (laughs) Yeah, I guess your baby's pretty cool. (laughs) And I mean, I think we're framing it right now as like this like mean woman holding a martini judging you. But it's not always (laughs) 
it's not always in malice. There's times when like moms have a lot of experience and a lot of things to share and they want to share it. And so it could just be more of like a, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Because I, I did this and it was great. Or like, did you know that this is an option? So I think it's not always like the super mean thing. Like nice people do it too. That is so true. And honestly, I did it. <gasps> what? <laughs> yeah, I felt oh, sure I've done it. so bad. Okay, so when I first started on Instagram, I don't know what I was doing. I probably still don't know what I'm doing. But <laughs> so I obviously have a lot of knowledge about birth and, and giving birth and different ways of avoiding C-sections and if possible and stuff like that. And this this woman said she was getting a C-section. And so I just said, like, had every amount of love in my heart, just like wanting to help. And I said, oh, have you heard of... Um, spinning babies you can like turn the baby and stuff like that whatever and she got so mad and she was like still polite but I could tell like she was like how dare you tell me that giving us having a c-section is like bad or you know whatever Mm -hmm. and I was like well it was it's just like more risky so I wanted to help (laughs) you and like I felt so bad it was really terrible and it really made me learn a really good lesson because we're we have to be careful about what we say about other people's birthing experiences or or what they're going through because i think she had already heard cuz she made a comment like everybody's saying that a c-section is terrible or blah 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 and i was like oh i just piled yeah, onto that mm-hmm. and i felt really really terrible so lesson learned yeah And that's a good point, too, because what you say, like, it's not the only person that could potentially be saying it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I mean, even like, I mean, this isn't birth shaming at all, but like, are you pregnant is not a question that you ask anymore. And like, it used to be like, oh, are you pregnant? And it's like, well, what if they're not? Like, there's just like. Or it's, even like, oh, are you guys planning on having a baby? Yeah. Because they might already be trying and mm-hmm. having troubles. And so yeah. like even that can be a triggering question. Mm-hmm. So I think even bigger than the topic of birth shaming is just understanding that being pregnant, trying to be pregnant, having a baby, not being able to have get pregnant, having choosing to have a baby in a different way. Like all of those things are so connected to your body and are so deeply personal and ingrained Mm -hmm. in so many cultural norms and non-norms and all the things like it's an emotional process. And on top of that, if you are pregnant, you're also even more emotional. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's a lot. And so like when we're having these conversations with people, like it's a, I mean, those conversations, a wake up call to me a little bit too, because it's like, it's somebody's like body we're talking about as if it's not. Ooh, you're so right. We do sometimes talk about pregnant people like it's no no longer their body. Mm-hmm. Or even after you have a baby and you're a mom and you like don't exist to some people, like it's just like, let me see the baby. How's the baby doing? That yeah. baby's cute. I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you don't ask about the mom. Like, can I help you? What do you need? You don't, mm-hmm. you know. Wow. 
okay, so everybody listening, we have to normalize keeping some things private, would you say? Or how would you how would you put that? I mean, just respecting our physical and emotional selves. Like it's a huge and differences. Yeah. It's a lot is wrapped up in it because it's the like the start of a human in a human. There's like you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. wild. Wow, having a baby is so crazy. Yeah. But it's also incredible. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is a topic that's so important for us to talk about so that way things can change and get better. It's never going to be perfect. And if we said something that was offensive to you, we'd love to hear about it because I'm super passionate about helping people to have better experiences with their births and becoming parents. And I just want to keep this conversation going. If you have suggestions or questions or comments, we'd love to hear them. You can either comment on wherever you uh, listen to your podcast, or we'd love to hear from you on social media. We're most active on Instagram at supported underscore season. And we'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.